0: Block talk radio good morning you are listening to nabwick the national association of black women in construction Block talk radio show founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry nabwick is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members
1: Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Wednesday, Napwick Talks, and I am Jada Williams, your national Napwick blog talk chair. Yes, just like the commercial said, I, too, have to ask you to follow, like, and share on your different social media platforms that you are hanging out with Navwick this morning. Or you can head over to our website at www.nabwic.org and find out how to engage with us and join our membership. Yes, click that Join Now button so you can join our team and get your red shirt. This morning, we have an amazing show planned for you. Of course, we have Anne McNeil, the master builder, herself in the studio, Ms. Ursula Odom and Jackie Perry of J.P. and Associates. Good morning, good morning, Ms. Anne. How are you? Jada, I tell you, every single week, if
2: I were any better, Jada, I would be you. And again, we say it every week, we have a phenomenal guest. I'm very excited uh, to have Dr. Kizzy Parks. We worked together before on a pursuit years, and Kizzy, I, I don't remember how many years. Seems seemed like maybe 10 years or so. But we want to welcome you to the show. But we also want to remind our listeners that you are listening to the voice and the face just black women in construction like Kizzy and many of us, but the voice and the face of the construction industry. You see, because NABWIC is being built with lasting strategic partnerships and relationships in this industry by industry, whether it is aviation, transportation, water, utilities, facilities, healthcare, we are getting ahead of the money, and listening to Dr. Park is one of the ways you, as a listener, will learn how it's done. So, Kizzy, we want to thank you again for joining us. We're very excited to have you on, and Jada, we want to continue to remind our listeners to please remember to comment, to like, and to share the show. And if you are interested in advertising on program, you can reach out to us at marketing at org. Or if you're interested in sponsoring any of our phenomenal billion-dollar opportunities, you can reach out to us at marketing at org. Again, that is marketing at org. And remember, our mission is to advocate for black women and girls in the construction industry as we continue to build strategic, long-lasting relationships. And so, Jada, Kizzy, Jackie, and all of our guests and, and volunteers, we want to thank you for another phenomenal show. Thank you,
1: Jada. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Ms. Ann, for always bringing your words of wisdom. That's why you are the master builder. And one more thing to add on to what Ms. Ann just said is to please, if you are getting engaged and loving what we're talking about this morning, don't be shy. Press one. Yes, press one on your phone and you can join into the conversation. Of course. We will vet you, (laughs) but press one on your phone, join the conversation, drop your comments in in, in the different social media platforms. So getting right to it, as we already said, Dr. Kissy Parks, she is the CEO of K Parks Consulting, Inc., and she is also a serial entrepreneur, many things going on, Uh, the owner of Empire Services and K Parks, A-M-T-I-S. Yes, and we'll close that off with the hashtag KPC. If you are listening and you are a part of her following, yes, hashtag KPC, hashtag thrive, hashtag learn, hashtag innovate, hashtag black women in construction. So growing up, Miss Kizzy knew two things. She knew that she was going to earn her Ph.D. in psychology and that she was going to become an, an entrepreneur but fast forwarding while she was finishing her phd in industrial organizational psychology she was a graduate research fellow for the defense equal opportunity management institute located at what is now known as the patrick space force weeks before graduating she was asked to, by the director to run a research program um and to be the contractor at that time, she had no idea what it meant, no experience in that space of transitioning on the other side. But guess what, Miss Kate Parks, Doctor Parks, put her boots on and she did what she needed to do. And today, she has over fifty million dollars in federal government contract awards for her three federal companies. And during today's podcast, I hope that you enjoy, as we discuss Dr. Parks with her sharing her story on providing information on how to expand your business with government contracting, learning lessons learned from her experiences and how to successfully lead and inspire virtually. So, yes, get up, get up, go get your notebooks. And in your pen so you can take notes. Good morning, and welcome to the show, Dr. Parks. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning, and thank you so much, much, Shader,
3: for that introduction. That was fabulous.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. No worries. I always got your back, girl. <laughs> well, so I didn't want to give it all away because this is such an interesting story. You know, I like to do our, our ship and fun facts. But um there's more to the growing up. Kids knew two things. You know, that part of as a kid, what were you doing with cleaning those golf balls, Miss Park? You know, it was
3: at that time I lived in Danville, Illinois, and I knew the currency of golf balls because my grandmother golfed. So I knew that some golf balls were worth more than others and my friend Ria her house was on this alley and it was just littered with golf balls because she, her house was um, right along the along um, a golf course. And I thought, well, shoot, there's like hundreds of golf balls. Let me pick them up. And the golf balls that I can reuse, I'll take them home. I'll clean them, set aside the really good ones for my grandmother because that'll make her happy. And then I'll sell the others through the fence to golfers. And I did that, um, When I was about elementary, middle school kind of age, and I would take the money that I earned and buy Funyuns and Nutty Bars at the corner store, and that was like my first foray into um, being an entrepreneur. And and I and and so it just I ran with it. My parents supported it, and I always knew I was going to be a psychologist, which is unique because. Many people who are entrepreneurs, they have maybe a high school diploma, maybe they went to college, maybe they didn't, and that's the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur is you can enter the space at any point in time. But I always knew I was going to be a psychologist, um, and so I went on and earned my PhD, and that,
1: that that changed my life. That period of time. Yes, indeed. I just thought that was. Such a, a fabulous story from your childhood that you were able also to continue to build on as you move through your journey as an adult. Super dope, super dope. Hey, um, we are going to take a quick commercial break so that we can dig deeper into this interview with Dr. Kizzy Parks this morning as we explore government contracting.
4: Greetings. My name is
5: Katrell McNeil. I am the Chief Customer Experience Officer with Customer Habitat, a business architecture experience firm. I participate as the National Communications Chair and the Texas Area
3: President. I am appreciative and excited about how NAVWIC is working to build more opportunities for women of color in construction. It is important for me to support women having a voice in construction
5: because women have been in this industry for many years and I believe it is an honor to help build many opportunities, not only in construction, but healthcare, education and more. My name is Catrell McNeil.
3: Please join us in celebrating women in construction.
1: Thank you, thank you, and we are back with Dr. Kizzy Parks this morning, the CEO of K-Parks Consulting, Inc. So I hope you got your notes out um, and your pen, so you can go ahead and join in this conversation. Dr. Kizzy, um, I know you have your Ph.D. in Industrial Organizational Psychology, and you said before the commercial break that you knew very early in age that you were going to be a uh, psychologist. And this is one field close to my heart because I have a master's in IO um, psychology. But in your own words, in your own background, um, tell us how did you know and want to become to do what it is that you're doing now? You know, I, I I always knew,
3: like I felt it. When I was a little girl, I always wanted to understand people and just be around people. And I, I just was like, I, I knew I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna be a, a therapist because I was always so compassionate. And um, my dad always encouraged me, so he he would say, you know, you should go on and get a PhD, and he really emphasized higher education. And he was an industrial. Um, industrial engineer and so he would come home from working um as a manager for these different um manufacturing companies and he would share all of these stories i always loved hearing his stories about work when i was a kid because the stories were never about the product like to this day i don't really remember many of the products that these companies made but i remember the stories i remember all the stories about the people and I thought, wow, this is fascinating that my dad is coming home and he's talking about people and his eyes light up and I've, I enjoyed it. And so industrial organizational psychology is you basically apply the principles of psychology to, to the workplace. And it was just a natural fit because it aligned with the stories that I loved hearing from my father, as well as it has that, you know, business um, area that connects with my entrepreneurial spirit. And that's how I transitioned into it um, because one, at one point when I was an undergrad, I actually had a patient, uh, which was a beautiful experience as, a, you know, as an undergrad, and it stressed me out. And I thought, wow, if I have one patient and this is stressful, definitely a career as a therapist is not that thing for me. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's how I ended up in social psychology, and I love it, love it.
1: Yes, yes, and I laugh because that's actually one of the things that made me say, hey, I think I'm more interested in I.O. psychology than doing the counseling practice because, boy, writing up those case sheets and, yeah, like you just said, it gets a little tedious over there. Hilarious. So help our audience connect the dots with, so how were you able to use I.O. psychology and then turn it into a entrepreneurship, a growing business, how does that link up to business and government contracts?
3: So I was in this position where I was a graduate research fellow, and then I was asked to stay on as a contractor. But here's, here's the thing that's really important, is I added value. They didn't just ask me to stay on out of kindness. I added value, and the value I added at that time entailed my analytical skills, my research skills, my flexibility, and my resourcefulness. And those are all skills that I really grew as a graduate student, and then I was able to apply in this area of government contracting. Now, while I knew how to do the work, and I largely did all of the work, for several years by myself or maybe with an intern every now and again, I had no knowledge about what it meant to be a subcontractor, contractor, purchase order, invoice, QuickBooks. I had no knowledge about the business side as well as how government contracting worked. But what's important is I was able to, I had a, a contract that was little less than 100000 I was able to pay my bills and I supplemented my contract, and I had additional revenue streams coming in as an educator. So how the degree helped was, one, I was able to ensure I always had cash flow because I taught online. Number two, I largely focused in areas that were connected to my degree, and I was able to really use those skills that I mentioned to help me in that space. And then third, I'm very resourceful. I'm extremely curious, which is key to being a psychologist. And because of that, I met with so, 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 so many people and business owners throughout the state of Florida to really help unpack this whole space. Because at at that point in time and even today, I don't really know anyone who is really an entrepreneur, uh, especially in IO psychology. Most have a traditional position.
1: Yes, m- most do. Yes, 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 indeed. And uh, um, just to reiterate that you were teaching um, online and and that allowed you to have uh, more flexibility with your time and that cash flow there. So how long have you been um, doing business with the federal government space, in the federal government space?
3: For 13 years.
1: So it's 13 been 13
3: months. years. I started out with that subcontract and then I started to learn the learn the space and to figure out one what made the most sense from a profit perspective, two what I really wanted to to do and be, and three what I really wanted the mission vision of my company KPC, my um, core company to be. And so um You know, what I always share with entrepreneurs and for those that are listening, it's very vital that when you step out into the space of being an entrepreneur that you are able to take care of your bills because it takes some time. Because the majority of companies are not profitable. When you look at the statistics, I believe about 60% are not profitable in this country. And so it takes time for you to get profitable and, and to have the stress of how do I pay my bills, how do I get new clients, it's not going to work out. So I spend a lot of time in that area.
1: Yes, yes, indeed, and, and you are correct there. I think the stat used to be, I have to research that over, but I think the stat used to be um, the first five years that you become a new entrepreneur, Entrepreneur don't expect, uh, you know, big revenue funds back at you, but you were focused because you, you focused in on what we would call, quote, unquote, you niched down um, to the areas that you wanted to focus in on, and then you became resourceful within that and also open-minded, what it sounds like, and, and, and a little flexible there. So during that journey, what was your most meaningful um, experience? Or a meaningful experience thus far? Because, like you said, you started off 13 years ago with the subcontract straight out of graduate school to now with uh, over $50 million in federal contracts.
3: The most meaningful experience was when I started out, because I was at Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute, I was thrown into diversity and inclusion space. That was not my space in graduate school. It's not what I studied. It was not my area at all. But because of the nature of that position, I became known as a diversity and inclusion expert in the DOD uh, space. So as I was um, progressing along, probably about two to three years into my company, I noticed something. I noticed that an agency or and i also had private sector clients at that time too i noticed that there was like a flavor of the month or flavor of the year that there would be a vendor everybody would rave about oh my gosh they have the next best diversity training or strategy in diversity this and they may have been awarded some type of contract and then i wouldn't hear about them again and i kept noticing this again and again and again on both the private side and the government side and i thought well you know this is a revolving door. Like, I, I'm not going to be able to have continuous revenue if I'm so niche in diversity and inclusion. I'm never going to be able to get out of this. I'm always going to be the D&I person. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I'm, you know, I'm entrepreneurial. So in 2013, I pivoted. And I started to pursue training and development opportunities because my passion's always been education always has been education. And, you know, it's interesting because when I reunited with my birth mom, I found out that she had, she was a school teacher. She ended up teaching for 30 years and we're really close. And now she's a retired school teacher from the great state of Michigan. But it's just very interesting how um, nature works. So I knew I had to pivot and I did. And so that was the best thing I ever did because it opened us up to not only training and development but to IT services, staffing services and also being able to provide products. And, you know, if your listeners may recall during the last administration, there was an executive order that came out that basically banned all D and I training.
2: So if I yes,
3: had yes. business around that space, I would have had I would have been out of business. So that diversification is key. And that pivotal moment changed everything,
2: everything in the trajectory of KPC.
1: And it was great that you were able to expand your services and stay focused with who you are at the end of the day. Like you said, your mother um, was a, a school teacher, so the manifestations and then the DNA, the genetic makeup, is it's just in you And you, as long as you stay true to you um, it gave you great ideas to be able to transition your business at, at, an, early, at an early time to stay ahead of the game. Um, so that's amazing in there and speaks to your business mindset outside of the psychology realm. So I know that you said training and development, you know, are your, are, are your big things, but within um, KP Parks Consulting and with your government contracts, are those still your main focuses? Well, uh, what are your key focuses?
3: At this point in time, my three government contracting companies are very well organized, were ISO certified at KPC, and my director of getting things done handles those three entities. So a few years ago, I noticed that there was a lot of um, different experts and influencers and people selling digital products, be it a PDF, a training, a webinar, a, um, some kind of booklet. And, and I thought, wow, you know, I, I know training. We sell training, you know, and, and why aren't we doing something like this? And so I right. pivoted and I started GovCon Winners, where I now help service-based small business owners learn how to win profitable government contracts. So my time right now is spent on growing GovCon winners, which in essence I'm providing a digital product, and then there's other digital products I'm pivoting into as well as um, really growing my YouTube channel. So the, my government contracting businesses run really well. We have tons of contracts. Um, And and I want also listeners to to really hone in on this. Government contracts tend to be what's considered a base plus four. They're five years. Have revenue coming in for five years, oftentimes, with these government contracts. So um, everything on the government side is is smooth sailing, and that has allowed me, because I have an amazing team, um, to pursue GovCon winners and other endeavors.
1: Yes, indeed. Perfect, perfect, perfect. With that being said, Dr. Parks, we are going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, I know that our phone lines are going are blowing up off the chain, and I am getting some feedback and comments on our social media. So I'm going to uh, go to this quick commercial break and then give our listeners a chance to come in to come, join the conversation with us this morning.
0: We encourage you to listen to this show or past shows on the Internet by logging in at www.blogtalkradio.com slash n-a-b-w-i-c. Thank you, and we're back.
1: Yes, we are back this morning with Dr. Kizzy Parks, the owner and CEO of K. Parks Consulting, Inc., and she has three other businesses. We will go through them and give the shout-outs to them as well. But before I go to the phone lines, as I promised, and to dig deeper into this conversation with Dr. Parks, for our members, our members, 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 and listeners that are not yet members, but you're heading over to our website to join and or Eventbrite there, um, we do have our June. Yes, everyone knows it. We do have our June Billion Dollar Luncheon. So it is the Netflix National million-dollar luncheon in aviation opportunities that will be coming up on June 9th. And you can go ahead and register for that event on Eventbrite and find out more information on our guest speakers, our woman and spotlight, and all of the goodies by going to our website. And we hope to see you there, members and new guests, new listeners. It is open to everyone because we love, as you already know, we love being the voice. We love being the voice of black women in construction. But not only black women in construction, we turn our contacts into contracts. So getting back into this interview with Dr. Parks. Um, studio, Miss Ursula Odom of Sulitoo. Good morning, good morning. Do we have anybody in the studio? I know... Um, I have some members blowing up my text messages.
6: yeah, good morning. This is Jackie Perry, and once again, I want to say how excited we are to have Dr. uh Parks with us and giving us the uh, brief sound bites uh that can in no way of course capsulate thirteen years. Of uh entrepreneurial history, but we do appreciate your being on with us today and uh, in this particular area, I certainly am uh very focused because we also i know that one of your uh clients is the uh, army and uh, and we have a contract with the army as well but one of the areas though that I wanted to hone in for you was your area of uh, the contract staffing services. Uh, Like many occupations, I know that that area can be full of regulatory and compliance requirements. So I'm just curious as to what strategies did you employ to enter this particular arena? And secondly, uh, what steps did you take to ensure that you were in compliance when it came to that?
3: I'm very, very strategic about which opportunities I go after. So commonly with the federal government, whether it's Army, Department of Defense, or federal work, there's potential staffing opportunities where there's different laws, regulations in place, and the profit margin is nominal, uh, maybe 1 to maybe 5%. 5% is like high. Uh, We do not bid on that kind of work. Uh, The staffing work that we have, the full-time equivalents, as they refer to them in the government space, that we have, they're high-wage, profitable positions where we don't have to adhere to the laws that are, are in place to protect those in secretarial, and this is a labor category they use, secretarial or um, um, like, a, a clerk position or a record position. So again, because we go after a different type of position, we don't have to deal with all of those types of regulations. Um, so, so that's been the approach that we take. It's been very, very helpful as well as the fact that our contracts on average are five years in duration. And our goal is to always grow them, so that that's also the key to is growing your contract.
6: Great, thank you so much.
1: No worries. Thank, thank you, thank you so much, Miss Jackie Perry. And and yes, that's getting back to that as you said before that those government contracts is that base plus four, so it gives you that time. Um, we do have some more questions some more members and listeners in the studio before we go to my next questions, because I could talk to you all day, Dr. Parks. Um, I think we have Miss Katina McClinton. If she doesn't mind, I can only say her name, because, yes, she is our Tampa um, Chapter President, our Northwest Florida Chapter President. Good morning, Miss Katina. Thank you for joining us.
3: Good morning.
1: How are you guys doing this morning? Beautiful.
3: I uh, am. And- Great. I, um, I'm the owner of Fresh Start Development GC for the state of Florida, and I am very interested in getting to know
2: how to step in the arena of getting federal contracts. And I, one question I have for you is: Is this eight um, Do you have to be AA to do this type of work, or is something? Is this something different, or is leading up to AA?
1: Yeah. You know.
3: One thing about government contracting is the agencies like EASY. No different than us. Like, we like EASY. That's why we like Amazon, right? You can get anything you want. You can have it set up on a subscription. Who knew you needed a subscription for Tide? But apparently you can get that. So when it comes to the federal government, having an 8A, a GSA schedule, having these set aside, yeah, it can make it easier to actually get a contract to get in the door, having those set-asides are not necessary or required. When I received my first subcontract, I wasn't in SAM. I didn't even have a corporation. It was Kizzy Park sole proprietorship because I had been um, providing 1099 services since 05 And because I added value, they put me on a contract. And that happens today. An agency will reach out and say, you know, we would really like for you to work with this consultant. Please add them to your contract. So to get in, what's important is you're offering something that's value-add. You're solving a problem. You've you nurtured a relationship and an agency wants to do work with you. Then when it's time, you may want to pursue an a or you may want to pursue getting the woman-owned or economically disadvantaged woman-owned set side. But what's vital is going into that entrepreneurial spirit and really understanding the mentality of the government buyer and how your journey and your focus, if it's a good um, kind of pairing with how they buy.
5: Okay, great. So I will be definitely uh, getting your information and contacting you for further details because that's something I really
3: would like to pursue. Thank you for the the answer. Yeah, no, anytime.
2: Good morning. I believe we also have an, another question from Ms. Tyleen.
5: Hi, good morning. This is Tyleen Henry reaching out from uh, Beverly Hills, Michigan. Um, so just excited that I tuned in this morning. I was multitasking, and I was like, wow, this is exactly what I need to hear. Um, so my question is really similar to what Katina asked, and so you've, you've pretty much answered much of it. Um, it had to do with 8A, so I'm somewhat um, aware of the program, and one of the things that I've been learning from my research is that you really do need to be prepared and have some relationships established going into that program to make sure that you can make the most out of that program. And so I was kind of being taken off of mute at the beginning of the question. But are you eight A or have you already been eight A and are you open to mentoring um you know firms that may be going into the eight A program um as they, you know, pursue those opportunities? The the answer is
3: yes. <laughs> the answer is yes to all of those. Um uh, we had graduated the eight A program, but because of the with the the last administration, there the National Defense Act provided an extra year to those who met a certain requirement, and so we were given more time. So we were an 8A, we graduated, now we're back to being an 8A, and we graduate in December. Yes, I'm more than open to serving as a um, mentor to anyone out there, anyone listening. The 8A program is a beautiful program as long as you understand, there's that understanding about it. In essence, The AA program, you have, when you're non-Alaskan Native, non-tribal, you can have um, receive up to four million dollars in government set aside awards, direct awards. You also can bid on efforts that are more than four million. Tribes, I believe, the dollar amount is twenty-three or twenty-eight. I may be a little off, but tribes have a tribal organizations have a higher set aside amount. So the beauty in 8 Day is you've created your own ocean, so you're not competing with everyone. But then again, here's the interesting part. Many of the 8A contracts that are out there, they tend to be those for um, staffing where you have to follow these different government rules. They may be lawn maintenance, cleaning, and what happens is the space then becomes a commodity because the agencies know I'm going to put this contract out here. I can put it as lowest cost, technically acceptable, or I know there's going to be you know tons of 8 a bidding on it. So it dilutes the value because they know we've, been, we've had a cleaning contract for 15 years and you're going to be the third or fourth 8A firm to get in. So what's important when you have the 8A is to realize that, that one, you're not going to get contracts because you have an 8A. Number two, the the 8A space is not only competitive, but you've got to be careful about the profit margin. Three, you need to maximize those relationships. That's the key. All of my contracts, except for a couple, have all come from relationships. And because they've come from relationships, I've been able to maximize my profit. I received, in the middle of COVID, a six-figure contract with a government agency, and I'm making about 100% profit on that. And that's because... My BD guy called somebody, we got connected, so I could go on and on about this. So understanding how the 8A works as well as what your business goals are is vital to succeed in that program.
5: Awesome. And just one last thing, I'm hoping on May 18th at noon Eastern Standard Time, if you have availability, Detroit area NABWIC is hosting a lunch and learn with the SBA and it's an 8A panel. And what you have said has been an extreme wealth of knowledge. We have been knocking on doors and asking many questions, but some of the advisors in the 8-8 program are not as familiar with the construction or contacting space. And so it seems that, you know, some of the folks that get into the program, they don't necessarily have the guidance or connection to some of those relationships. And as you said, Having the relationships in advance are critical, so we would love to invite you, and I'll get your contact information and email it over to our Lunch and Learn. I think you can really add a lot of value um, for our members that are seeking to go down that road. So thank you so much and just so inspired by your success.
3: Oh, thank you. I love that offer. And in any way it could be of help. Thank you so
2: much. Well,
1: wow, 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 again. Listen, Dr. Parks, you are popping in the studio this morning. It's always a great Wednesday. Listen, we have one more audience listener that wants to get in on the conversation with you, um, Dr. Parks. Could you open up her or her phone line, uh, Miss England? Good morning. Welcome to Navway Talk.
4: Good morning. This is uh, good morning to everybody. This is just such a phenomenal. Um, talk this morning, uh I, I actually skipped one meeting to ma- to make this one and I'm so excited that I did. Uh, my name is Margaret Anglin and I am um I'm down in South Florida. I'm an electrical contractor and um also a part of NABWIC. and my question is it's kinda like along the same lines as Katina how where is the best place to start? because for for me, not being a GC, um, we would roll under a GC. so how would what's the best place to go to start looking at federal contracts that does have um, space for electrical contracting?
3: The best place to start is to ask yourself what what path you want to take? if all you want to do is electrical contracting, I'll give you the answer in a second. Is that the path? You know, for those that are listening, you know, you fill in the blank with your expertise. Or do you want to take the path of I want to maximize and take that entrepreneurial path and offer different products and services that I know the government is always going to want? So to answer the first one, going through beta.sam.com, dot gov and you can go pull down a Nate code the search function is not the best <laughs> so but if you pull down the NAICS you can at least get an idea of what's out there what's actively being pursued that's what, number one number two is to reach out to those who have to companies um to, to companies who have active federal government contracts and get to know those people well. Especially if it's a company that's still considered small, not a huge contract um, construction company, but somebody who's small. So you can see if you can be value you can add value as a subcontractor. Maybe they want to serve as your mentor. Maybe they can just provide some insight. Because these are the two that I took when I first started out, because it doesn't matter whether it's electrical or you offered um, aerospace engineering, the, the steps are still the same, because what you want to be able to do is make sure that there's enough work for you so you have ongoing revenues, and it's not, oh, I got this great contract, and it lasted a year, and now I don't have anything, um, and so those are the first two steps. And for the second one, that will be something, you know, we can talk offline about. But is, are, was that helpful for you?
4: It was. It, it, it actually was because, you know, uh, I've been teetering and tottering about uh, getting 8 certified and what does that look like and, and different things like that. And I just have pushed it back because I don't know where to start and I don't want to get a certification and, and not maximize the use of that certification. So, yes, it was.
3: That's terrific, yes. I'm there with you. There's no need to rush to get a certification. What's important is being able to add value and to identify prospects.
1: Thank you so much for your question, Ms. Margaret England. Thank you so much, so much, so much. We do have two more questions coming off of social media. Um, One of our listeners, our members, Ms. LaShawn Clark, is asking, Dr. Park, how do we access your government contract training? Oh, that's a great question, and, and I appreciate it.
3: So right now, I'm in the middle of, I'm about to roll it out. So I'm going to have pre-registration. What I would like for you to do is if you send me a text to my community, I'll make sure that I send you a free download about seven mistakes to avoid in government contracting so text me at 305 this is my community text number 305-853-9481 305-853-9481 if texting is not your thing you are more than welcome to connect with me kizzy parks on um linkedin and i'll provide that document so then you're one of the first to know when it rolls out so i really appreciate that question
1: Yes, indeed, and, of course, being a NAVWIG member. You will definitely get the information you need to get that free download and stay contacted and connected with Dr. Parks because – can I give it away, Dr. Parks? Of course. And our pre-show – in our pre-show meeting, she will become this morning, she agreed to become one of our newest NABWIC members. So we cannot wait to welcome you into the sisterhood and to see you in your red shirt. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Parks, we do have one more question coming from the phone line, um, social media question. My question is from Miss um, Demetria is how can you prove tribal descent if your grandfather is half Indian? What's the website again? You gave a website? I must have missed that. I'm too engaged in just listening to you.
3: You know, that, that, um, <laughs> that's a very controversial state. Um, it's very controversial because there are states, I oh, okay. believe, like Alabama that has Um, different definitions than other states. So here's my advice. My advice is that it's best to reach out to the Small Business Administration to determine from a federal side what is required to have a designation because there are different requirements different types of paperwork, different things of that nature. And it's very, very important to be aware. Like, for instance, at one point in time, 23 Me on your report, it would list, like, Native American, and they've quickly even changed that. So contact the Small Business Administration at a state level. The same thing is contact someone with, with whether it's, you know, wherever you're trying to, to do business to find out at a state level what are the definitions because they vary. There are tribes, and I want to say in Alabama, maybe Mississippi, that are recognized, that are not recognized at the federal level. So you want to make sure that you learn as much as possible so that you're setting
1: yourself up for success. Well, thank you so much for answering that question. I did not know that, that there are certain tribes on different levels that is accepted. Oh, my gosh. So much uh, information coming out this morning. So, um, guest members, I hope you're taking your notes. I know I said that was the last uh, question. This is really the last question from the Internet and website because my members and listeners, I promise you, Dr. Parks, after this, they are going to light me up on fire. So I have to ask this one. Um, we NAPWIC, has a meeting with the SBA administrator next month, and so one of our members, Valerie Mundy, is asking: um, Is there anything you think that the SBA could do better to help Black women succeed?
3: You know, that that's a good question. That's a very, very, I know, that's very a big
1: good question. It is big.
3: You know, I I would say, you know, the SBA could do a much better job with the Mentor-Protege Program, as well as emphasizing entrepreneurship. Because what I have found is many women, especially us black women, when we enter the government space, it's in areas that are not profitable. They're in areas that everyone is bidding on. And while it's great to say, I have a contract, or I have contracts, or I have an 8A, but if you're stressed out wondering how you're going to make payroll, or you're only making 40000 a year, then is it really worth it? So really helping us understand that business side of government contracting to really show that there's so many things you can bid on. Like the government buys horse training. The government buys kosher potato chips. The government buys scopes to control the hog population. The, The government buys books for the Bureau of Prisons. I mean, these are all things that you can easily, products and services that if, you know, they align with your value system, you could easily get involved in. But how many people even know of this? Probably not many because it's not talked about. It's not sexy. It's not sexy to say, oh, I, I flipped kosher potato chips to the federal government. <laughs> but it's there the market. So those are the two things, the two areas I, I, they really need to do more on. But, you know, I, I know it's challenging for them. They have a lot
1: that they are responsible for at the FDA. Yes, and thank you so much for answering that question um, there. So I'm hearing, because this is such an amazing, amazing, amazing interview, um, you were able to turn your intellectual property into some digital products and offer online services. That's the biggest tip that I'm hearing, along with the contracts, the federal contracts, is a plus four years. So as an entrepreneur, you definitely want to go and, and research on how to get into the government contracting space by some of the tips and things that Dr. Parks have shared with us this morning. Along with um, you just being flexible with and then being open to training new things and you niche down and focus on areas that set you apart and that also always, always, always added value. So for our listeners and members, um, you know, set yourself apart. Research that market that aligns with your services for some open opportunity there. But, Dr. Parks, before um, we wrap up this interview, I just have a couple of more um, hard questions. Are you ready for them? Of course. (laughs) And thanks for having so much fun with us up here on the show this morning and engaging with us. Um, Are you still eating Funyuns and Nutty Buddy Bars? Because that's one of my favorite childhood snacks.
3: Oh, man, I am not. I love those. (laughs) They always have a special place in my heart, but no, I do not eat those anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But no. Darn it, I still have a box of Nutty Buddy Bars. I just... Added them on my list. I, I guess I I digress because I have kids, so I can still get away with a couple of snacks here and there oh. <laughs> on my grocery <laughs> list. Okay, and next, next, um, all seriousness, what are you reading? Like, could you share with us your favorite books, or the author, or the content that you are reading that makes you get up and do what it is that you're doing? Hands down, Think and Grow
3: Rich by Napoleon Hill. I have it on Audible. I listen to it practically every day. I follow the book, and um, it's a, you can listen to it. It's for free on YouTube. You can go through Audible. You can go through your favorite bookstore. I adore Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and it has really helped elevate me to the next level. I strongly suggest you go out, get it immediately.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. You already know we love, love, love thinking. Grow rich by Napoleon Hill, and our Nav Wick. Um, actually, at a lot of our meetings, um, we'll end by having a little session there. So, um, thank you so much for that. Hey, audience members, listeners, Doctor Parks. Another way to get your business out there and or to share your mission, your next mission, your entrepreneur endeavors is to advertise. Yes, advertise on this radio show. You can advertise with us. If you are interested, please hit us up. Just shoot us an email at marketing at napweek.org and or, yes, you can call me, Jada, at 786-702-1005 or like you've been doing this morning hitting us up on all of the different social media platforms. It has been amazing this morning. Um, speaking with you, Dr. Parks, would you like to leave any last words for our listeners?
3: Yeah, I, I definitely do, and I appreciate the opportunity. You know, I, there's something I always say on my videos on LinkedIn and other platforms, and I always say, Everything is possible. And I firmly believe that when I reflect on my life and I think of this
2: beautiful gift of just
3: living in this, this great country. Everything is possible. It begins with desire. You have that faith and you put in that work. Whatever it is that you want, it will come to you. So just never forget that everything is possible. It's My my, my mission statement is as who I am. It's what I live by. So always know that you can do it and everything is possible.
1: Thank you so much for that. Um, very meaningful, very meaningful. Again, guests, members, audience listeners, Dr. Kizzy Parks, CEO of K- parks Consulting, Inc., along with, let's go ahead and give a quick shout-out with your other businesses, KP uh, K-Parks Consulting, Inc., M-PAR Services, and K-Parks AMTIS. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you again for coming on our show this morning and sharing your knowledge and expertise. and giving us the greatest tips of customizing our businesses, our talent, our creativity, whatever you're doing to yourself so you can be successful. Hey, you have listened to NABWIC Talks. And we are the voice of Black Women in Construction. You can find us on the air every Wednesday morning at 8.30 a.m. And, hey, if we haven't invited you to be a guest on our show, you can also reach out to us because I know that we have made some more new connections today. So with all that being said, everyone have a beautiful day, and you can find us here next Wednesday at 8.30 a.m.